Welcome to the Ankylosing Spondylitis Podcast, hosted by me, Jason Saga. I'm a 35-year-plus spondy looking to bring the community closer. I'll be reaching out to organizations, doctors, nutritionists, and anyone that I think can help increase our spondy quality of life. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Ankylosing Spondylitis Podcast. thought I'd do something that uh, might be a little fun today. We'll see. I saw an article in Healthline. I was cruising through looking at some stuff for another episode and it said 10 things never to say to someone with ankylosing spondylitis and the author uh, her name is Stephanie Watson see the link below in the show notes for this article but I think she did a, a fantastic job with this I don't know if she's got AS or not but let's get this kicked off I'm, I'm going to kind of relate my experiences to this so maybe might be something you all can relate to as we go through and listen so anyway 10 things never to say to someone with ankylosing spondylitis before i go to number one i'm going to kind of give some background information that we all know but if there's anybody new to listening to this or a caregiver listening to this you know welcome and ankylosing spondylitis as we all know eh, it's an autoimmune disease a type of arthritis it's much less common than say osteoarthritis or rheumatoid arthritis and many times when we get it and we're new to it and you can see this in the forums all sorts of questions pop up what about this what about that and it's great that there is that availability of all the people on Facebook to help one another for newly diagnosed I go back to again when I was diagnosed back in 1984 there was no place to reach out except your rheumatologist there was no other people to talk to there was no way to disseminate or information about yourself or gather information about others to help relate it to it. So this is really a, oh, I don't know if it's a golden age, but it's a great age to be able to share like experiences and, and unlike experiences. Because the one thing we all know about AS is no matter how you have it affect you, everybody else is probably going to be affected slightly different. There's no standard form of AS. So let's get into this. And I, I thought some of them were kind of were kind of very appropriate. Some were kind of funny. Number one, somebody comes up to you and says, you have what? And then you'd go on to this whole spiel about what ankylosing spondylitis is. And, you know, they look at you like deer in headlights. They have no idea what you're talking about. A lot of times, once you just say ankylosing spondylitis, in my viewpoint, is that's where you lose them right off the bat. Some will come onto it and say, you know, you could describe it as a lot of times arthritis just because that's the simplest way for somebody to relate to what you have. But that also opens up a whole, I think, different batch of questions and, and things to deal with because once you say arthritis, they go, oh, we'll just take an aspirin or whatever and you'll be fine. But because we're all affected differently, you can have somebody like, Dan Reynolds of Imagine Dragons get up on stage, perform, you know, look great and set the tone for what everybody thinks ankylosing spondylitis should look like. And then here comes me on a cane hobbling and hunched over and they're like, well, what do you have? Well, I have ankylosing spondylitis. Well, no, because I saw Dan Reynolds on stage bouncing around and you can't. So what do you have? What's the difference? What are you not doing? You must be... Um, in the worst case, they might say something like, you must be lazy or you must not want to heal yourself. So uh, it's a double-edged sword, and you just have to be really um, 
good at developing what I call the elevator speech, which is a quick rundown of what ankylosing spondylitis is because you're going to get that all the time of you have what? And then that ties in a lot with number two, which is, well, you don't look sick. You know, and I guess if you're in a lot of pain, your response could be, well, you don't look stupid. I don't suggest that, but it's certainly an appropriate response at times. You know, one of the things with ankylosing spondylitis, as we all know, is, you know, the pain, the stiffness, the fatigue, those are all things that are basically invisible to everybody else but ourselves. There is no way to describe the pain and the stiffness and even the fatigue to people. And then if you do, a lot of times they'll just say, well, just go take a vitamin B12 shot or, you know, stiffness, just exercise more or pain, just take an aspirin or ibuprofen or whatever. Those are great if I was dealing with possibly just one of those items and it was not a genetic uh, issue. But when you layer all three on top of it genetically, those simple remedies don't always work. So not everybody's going to see through the pain. I get out, I get many, many weird looks when I pull into a handicap spot because I'm 49 years old and from the shoulders up, I look fine. It's not until I get out of the car and they see the leg brace and the cane and me walking hunched over that then people don't quite give me the same dirty looks as, as when I pull into a handicap spot. I always think when I'm pulling in that they must think I have my parents' car, my grandparents' car. And I've even had folks come up to me. I was at a local grocery-type store called Meyer here in Michigan, pulled into the handicap spot. It wasn't the first spot. I had... I, I try to leave other spots that are as close to the door as possible for somebody that really has an issue, and I'll take one, the second, third, fourth spot back. So I pulled into this one, and a guy comes walking up to me and says, you know, if you drop somebody off that's handicapped, you should be really out in another spot. Well, I was just wrapping up a text that I was sending before I got out to go to the store, and I, it took me off guard. I, I wasn't even sure, and I said, what are you talking about? He goes, well, look at you. You probably dropped off your grandmother, and now you're just waiting for her and using up a handicap spot. I said, no, I'm going in the store myself. He goes, well, you should be parked in a non-handicap spot. So that's when I said, all right, thanks for your opinion. Put the window up and got out and then just looked up and said, is this handicap enough for you? Or, you know, should I fall? Well, it's that you don't look sick that people come at you with and they just don't understand. And that can draw a lot of different responses from those of us with AS. Another one you'll get is number three, arthritis. That's what my grandmother has, my mother has, whoever. Everybody's going to know somebody with arthritis and they're going to equate the AS to osteoarthritis or rheumatoid arthritis. Well, that's not really a fair comparison For example, my AS, ankylosing spondylitis, started when I was, well, I was diagnosed at 14. I can remember stuff back to maybe 10, 11, maybe a little bit earlier. Back in that time, I never liked to play, you know, football with the other guys. Every time I fell or got knocked around, it just would be like an earth-shattering concussion. I never could run real fast. Uh, There was just a lot of things that I couldn't do looking back that I saw other kids doing. And now I realize, oh, I should have been able to do those things. I just couldn't. And my joints by 14 were weakening, and I had my first hip replacement done by the age 21. 
AS, you know, will gradually wear you down both emotionally and physically. If somebody says that's what my grandmother has, that's what my mother has, you know, if you feel that they can be educated about it, educate them. They might not be able to. It might be better to just tip your hat and say, yep, thanks, and and go about your way because you don't want to create any stress for yourself by trying to deal with somebody that the old adage, don't confuse me with the facts. So take it for what it is. In my case, I generally just say, yep, and keep going, but everybody's going to be different and and you have to fight the, the battle that you think is worth fighting. Number four, can't you just take some ibuprofen or, or aspirin to relieve your pain? When I was diagnosed with this disease, the only medication for me at the time when I was 14 was the non-steroidal uh, anti-inflammatory drugs, the NSAIDs. You know, basically heavy-duty ibuprofen, Advil, Motrin, and naproxen. And naproxen is what I took. And I took it for years. And it was really the one treatment there was. But it didn't kill the pain. And as I got older... I can remember being in college, and I've, I've seen people talk about this on the different ankylosing spondylitis forums. I started getting what I thought were shin splints and pain in my feet so bad that I couldn't walk. And I thought, well, maybe I need like old man walking shoes, or maybe I need a wheelchair, or maybe I need this or that. I did not know what caused it. I did not know what brought it about. So I, I tried to treat it for everything but ankylosing spondylitis which now looking back on it, I know it was just damage happening in my legs and fusing and and all that fun stuff that takes place with ankylosing spondylitis. If you're older and you're just developing AS now or you're you're starting to, to deal with the treatments for it, wow, what a different world we live in. There's things like Humira, Embryl, Cosentix. There's different medications now that can really dramatically reduce the pain, the inflammation, and thereby give you a potentially better quality of life. So I encourage you to look into things. Don't just automatically write something off. As I talked about in my last episode, even if a drug says potential side effects, well, most of the time that's written by legal. You may get this, but there's no guarantee you will get it. But the one thing that you can generally guarantee is that your body will continue to get worse. So with that said, if there's TNF blockers or that interleukin-17 that's in Cosentix recommended to you, try it. You have nothing to lose. If it doesn't work for you, you just stop taking it. Go on to the next thing. But at least you can say you've tried, and you've you've tried to do something to keep this at bay. We already drew, if you want to look at it in some ways, we already drew the short straw in getting this disease compared to others. So why not do everything that's available to you to try and fight it? Number five, this one I've heard m- many, many times. I have a cousin, I have a niece, I have an uncle, whatever, with AS, and it barely bothers her. Well, that generally comes about because somebody will say, you have ankylosing spondylitis and it's arthritis. Well, in their mind, they they mix them all up. Ankylosing spondylitis must be like osteoarthritis, must be like rheumatoid arthritis. So they then just automatically assume that they have a relative with AS. For all the times I've heard that, I can count on one hand the number of people I've actually met that do have AS. It's very, very rare. Most of them have rheumatoid arthritis is what I generally end up finding out if I'm introduced to the person. Everybody's disease, as I've said earlier, is different with AS. It may be extremely 
painful for somebody that's 21, you know, that's 21 years old. And then person next to him has also got ankylosing spondylitis and they're 21 and they really have no effects at all. And by the time they're 41, they're going to be just laid right up because of the problems associated with ankylosing spondylitis. There's just no one size fits all case. So I encourage you to, if somebody says that again, it comes down to the fight you want to have, so to speak. Do you want to try to educate them more? Do you want to dig more? Or do you just want to tip your hat and say, hey, great. I hope they feel better. Have a good day. Number six is the one that I see posted across the forums the most. And it's probably the one that, oh, in, in ways can drive me nuts the most. Number six is you should try. You know, unless you are a rheumatologist, you generally don't want to offer medical advice. Telling somebody, and this is the main YC, well, if you just stop eating X or stop eating Y, you'll, you'll be completely cured. As I said before, there is no cure for AS. I know people are going to disagree with me some on that. But listen, I've not seen one doctor come out yet and say, I have a cure for AS. So until I see that happen, there is no cure. So unless you're a rheumatologist, you might want to go and rethink some of the ways you post information to others with ankylosing spondylitis so that they're not turned off from trying any treatment. So, you know, like the author says, questionable herbal remedies, alternative treatments, they may or may not provide some relief. It may or may not be associated with ankylosing spondylitis. So you always have to remember that. What's that saying? Is it correlation does not equal causation? Or is it causation does not equal correlation? I don't know. Something like that. But either way, you know, leave the medical diagnosis to their person's rheumatologist. Don't tell people what they should do. Now, if you want to say, I tried this. I have no idea if it's going to work for you or not. You can try it. You can leave it. That's not telling them that they must do this or that you will cure them. I don't like it when I see people come on and say, I will cure you. And that goes into number seven. Number seven is one that really affected me. And it's, I'm sure you'll be fine. Now, it might not be exactly what's said to you that way, but it really can be a, a nasty statement to somebody with or that's fighting ankylosing spondylitis. Because in essence, we'll never be fine. We'll have good days, we'll have bad days. But there is no such thing as fine with uh, AS. So, you know, one, several ways that this affected me is when I was younger, even now, I want to be seen as very independent. I don't want to be seen as somebody that requires someone else's assistance. So that boiled down to things like when I was going out in a cart, you know, the electric scooter carts, when I was using one of those in Walmart and I would be out at the car putting groceries in and somebody would come up and ask, hey, can I help you put your groceries in? And I would always say, no, 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 I'm fine. But, you know, and I would thank them. Well, then somebody said to me, don't tell people no. Tell them yes. Let them help. Because if they've stopped and offered their help, that's their possible good deed for the day. It makes them feel good like they've helped somebody. And maybe if you shut them down, the next time they walk by somebody that could be you with AS and you could use some help, they might not offer because, well, heck, I was turned down before. But if you turn around and say, yeah, I'd love it. I appreciate it. 
even if they put one bag in your car, they still get to walk away feeling good. And I think it reinforces the reason that the next time they see somebody with groceries to help them, whether it be somebody with a disease, uh, a broken leg, a senior citizen, a disabled veteran, whoever it is, a mother with kids, let the person help you because you're going to make them feel good for their day. That's your good deed for the day. People, when they see that you need help, I generally find America is a great spot. And when they, and I, I'm sure this carries over to my listeners in Australia and India and Great Britain, Germany, anywhere else in the world, Canada. But I generally think that in America, people are pretty decent hearted and they want to help you if you give them that opening to help. So that's just my thing. The other apps or the other, uh, oh, how do you say that? The other thing that that was, was when I was a young kid, I was told by a family member, you know, when I would hurt or be in pain, uh, not want to do anything, I was just told, well, you're just lazy. There's nothing wrong with you because there was nothing visibly on the outside wrong with me. I didn't have a third arm. I didn't have a third eyeball, you know, nothing like that. So this person at the time seemed to take a lot of joy in telling me I was lazy. And it was wrong. I look back at it now and, and realize how wrong it was. But it really affected me. I got to a point when I was at work, it didn't matter what condition I was in, how much pain I was in, no one was going to outwork me. If you said you were doing 10 hours at work, I was doing 11. If you said you were going to write you know, this or that or, or get this accomplished at work, I was going to do all that, then some. I wasn't going to let anybody ever say, oh, his work standard is less than everybody else because of his condition. That was a issue that I've had to deal with a lot in my last several years of work in that I worked myself to a point of creating flares, creating other issues with my body that AS just made even worse. So you know, if you're experiencing issues like that, you have some childhood issues to deal with, and you have the ability to go to therapy, do it. It's not going to hurt you and can really help you work through some of these long-term issues that you might carry that could or could not be either related to ankylosing spondylitis or made worse by ankylosing spondylitis. Number eight, never had anybody say this to me, but I, I'd be curious if anybody else has, you know, leave a message in the show notes on this if anybody said this to you. And that is number eight, think of the upside to AS. You get to take time off from work. Well, sure, if I was going out to have a picnic or do something else fun, but taking time off work to run to numerous doctor's appointments, get poked, prodded, you know, told you don't know what you're thinking, told you don't know that they don't know what you have. And all the other items that go along with visiting doctors as you get diagnosed is not fun. You're not taking time off work because you want to have a, a good time at, you know, a local amusement park. You're taking time off to try and better yourself physically or you're taking time off work to discover what is ailing you. So for those people, I think they think they're being funny. I don't think they understand that they possibly could be hurting you. You know, have, put your thick skin on, laugh with them, and then just uh, walk away. That's about the only thing I can I can say. Another one, number nine, that people will say to you is, 
try to take your mind off AS. Well, that's easier said than done, especially for somebody that wakes up in the morning in a ton of pain. I shouldn't say a ton of pain. I, I wake up in the morning stiff and sore, and I go to bed stiff and sore, and everything else in between there is just variations of being stiff and sore. So there is no real way to say, take your mind off. Now, I have some things I like to do. I did learn transcendental meditation. I find that that's a great way to spend 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the afternoon to refocus, clear my mind, reset on the day's priorities, and either either think about or let come to me what I'm going to do for that day or at the evening session to go ahead and, and deal with you know what happened during the day and just kind of flood it out of my mind using my the mantra that was assigned to me. So uh, there's different meditation programs. Look for one in your area. If there's not one in your area, look online. There's there's videos on YouTube and stuff that you can access to listen to. So there are some things that you could possibly do, but for somebody to just come up and say, hey, just take your mind off AS, it doesn't work. They don't understand that it's painful to walk. It's painful to sit. It's painful to stand. So you kind of got to, wrap all that up together. Number 10, and it's, are you going to die? I've never really had that ask. I mean, kind of. My, my kids, when they were much younger, wanted to know what ankylosing spondylitis was and if it was something that would kill me. They're really the only ones that have ever asked that, and they were young. I explained what it was, what I had, how it affected me. And to their credit, they started doing things like helping me carry the grocery bags in and just anything that would allow me to have to do less. So that was fantastic, and I really appreciated their uh, their willingness to help me out at a time when I needed it. So in, they were very young, so they never once, oh, I didn't get to do this because of that. I never heard that. So if you did, again, I'd like to hear what you heard and, have you leave that in the show notes below. So those are the 10. That's it. Access the link to the article in the show notes. Uh, I'd like to hear, what do you hear that either makes you roll your eyes, makes you explain AS? What did I miss off that list? What is the items that you maybe encounter on a daily basis? Maybe you encounter them when you're out in public, or maybe you only encounter things from your family. I look forward to hearing from you. Y'all have a great day. And if there's ever anything I can do for you, don't hesitate to reach out. Take care. Bye.